Welcome today, all of you here in the room and all of you watching online today. I'm so honored to be back with you. Um, it's been a challenging few weeks, but I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm strong. Thank you for praying for me. You know, I had surgery on my leg and, and uh, I'm grateful that, that uh, your prayers, oh my goodness, the, how many um, baskets of fruit did we get? Uh, I think I am definitely cleansed in more ways than one uh, during this fast. Thank you for the balloons and all the fun stuff. And uh, it, it means the world to us. Thank you. I have felt your prayers. And it's amazing when you, when you pray for somebody, those prayers make a difference, don't they? So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for praying for us. It means a lot to me and uh, makes me feel very much loved and appreciated and valued. And uh, thank you for your Christmas generosity. First time I had an opportunity to thank you for all your, your blessing. And so it's, it's good. We're ready to run. I want this procedure early so that, that we could spend the rest of the year just doing what God's asked us to do. Amen. Go after God's power and after God's spirit. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, every once in a while... Uh, you know, when James and Benjamin, my two grandsons, get together, there's usually some kind of mischief that happens. I'm going to tell on them today. And, uh, and so uh, they were over um, Auntie Lori's house uh, this past week, Friday, and uh, I get this call, and usually when it's a weird voice, I know what's one of them pranking me. So I could tell it was James, but it was really a good old lady voice. You know, it was a good imitation of this old lady and, uh, and, and they, they normally, when they prank me, um, it doesn't last very long because one begins to giggle and they both begin to giggle. And uh, so um, they were pranking. And, um, and so then I stopped them and I says, look, if you're going to do this, let's do this right. <laughs> so I gave him some instructions on how to be a better prank caller. So I first of all apologize to the parents for giving that instruction to them as their grandfather. And I apologize to any one of you that might get pranked and think it's a good one because I give him some instructions. Uh, but the reason why I bring it up is not so much for the prank call, but they both said, Papa, we've missed you preaching on Sunday morning. We can't wait to hear you preach. I mean, what better than that is your two 11-year-old grandsons saying thank you for, we miss you, Papa. And uh, we've had uh, Isabella and uh, Mia over the house this past weekend uh, sleeping over. And, uh, you know, it's nice when the 15-year-olders still want to sleep over at Papa and Grammy's house. Uh, it's, it doesn't get much better than that. Amen? Are you ready for Vision Sunday? Yes. Amen. I'm so excited today. You know, I'm well aware, as I share the mandate for 2021, I'm well aware and acutely aware of the atmosphere of fear, anxiety, and uncertainty that hovers over our nation. Uh, in all my years of pastoring, I've never... Um, heard more, seen more division, felt more tension, and heard more strife in all my years. But even in the midst of all that, however, I really believe, I firmly believe, let me put it this way, I firmly believe that we as a church are positioned for an amazing breakthrough in our lives. I believe that. God has positioned us for amazing opportunity in the midst of everything that you and I both are very well aware of, whether you're here in the room or watching us online today, you know how true this is. Now, we, I believe that, that, that the, the darker our nation becomes, the brighter our light will shine. Amen. And you know, we have a choice every single day. And the choice we have every single day is you can curse the darkness 
or you can turn on the light. It's your choice. Every day you could yield to that, that anger and frustration or you can choose to love and keep talking to each other. I don't know about you, but I, I choose love and I choose to keep the conversations going because Lord knows we need many, many more good conversations in our lives. So the choice is yours. You want to curse the darkness? Very easy to do. It's all around us. It's never been more obvious. It's going to get even more obvious or we can simply learn to turn the light on. And that's my attitude, and that's my purpose, and that's what vision does, that it helps us turn the light on. Amen. Now, today is Vision Sunday, so let's take a few minutes and talk about vision. And I want to get right to our mandate today. In Genesis chapter 1, we read the first recorded statement from God, and he said, God said, let there be light and there was light. Now, why is this so significant? It's very significant on many levels, but especially it tells us something about God, that God does everything in the light. God doesn't work in the darkness. The devil works in the darkness. The enemy works in the darkness, right? Fear, anger, anxiety, uncertainty, hopelessness all work in the darkness. But we have to understand something that, that Jesus operates, God operates in the light. The first thing God does is he always gives vision. God does nothing until the light goes on. And my prayer for you today is the light goes on. Here in the room, in our living rooms, bedrooms, wherever you might find yourself, that the light goes on today. Proverbs 29, 18, we can't do a vision Sunday without reading this verse. And, and the Message Bible says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Isn't that awesome? They are most blessed. Other translations say uh, the, the people are uncontrolled or put into confusion, scattered abroad, run wild, um, perish. When we don't see what God is doing, we stumble all over ourselves. So it's important that we as a church are always reminding ourselves, what is God doing? Amen. See, I would never go to a church that I didn't know their vision. In fact, I wouldn't go to a church that didn't share their vision, that it wasn't clear and wasn't plain, because you'll stumble all over yourself. There'll be confusion, right? There'll be, there'll, it won't be what we should be experiencing as a church in our lives. So in other words, without vision, God's plans and purposes are frustrated and they will not succeed. So a God-honoring vision must be our number one priority. Here's the first definition of vision that I remember using some probably over 35 years ago. I, I didn't I forgot to ask Verna how many of these Vision Sundays we've been doing. Um, I don't know. I don't think we started right away, but at least over 35 years ago, this, this has been, was my first definition of vision, and I believe it's still my favorite definition of vision. Vision is the ability to see beyond the majority. It's the ability to see beyond the majority. Anybody can see what's right in front of them. Anybody can tell me the temperature of the day. Anybody can say, it's this, it's that, and, and have an opinion. Anybody can tell me, you know, what's obvious all around us. But I want to be around people that see beyond the obvious. 
I want to be around people that see beyond what everybody else sees and are being moved by that. That's what vision does. Vision empowers us. Vision enables us to see beyond the circumstances, beyond all the feelings and the pain and everything that's so real and inundating us as families, as young adults and teenagers and children, all of each one of us and, and church leaders. It's happening everywhere around us. Vision is the compelling picture of the future that won't let you go. That's what vision does. It gives you a picture on the inside that might be different than what your regular eyes see, but vision has eyes inside your heart that help you keep reminding you of what it should be like, of what it could be like. Amen. The dream that won't go away, the passion that won't subside. Vision is what keeps uh, what you keep seeing when your eyes are closed. Vision allows you not to settle for status quo, business as usual. And vision, God gives us vision so that you would not have to live solely by what you see. I don't want to live solely by what I see. If only I was moved by what I see and lived by what I see, what hope is there? Right? If all you saw was the condition of your marriage, if all you saw was the condition of your soul, if all you saw was the condition of your children, if all you saw was the condition of your finances or the condition of your relationships, and that's all you saw every single day, then no wonder why we're failing. But when vision comes alive, when God's word comes alive, it helps you see beyond what you're seeing and gives you the ability to live someplace else. And, and be drawn to like a magnet to believe that what God's word paints a picture on the canvas of your heart that you begin to see that so clearly. That's vision. That's why we do Vision Sunday every year for the past who knows how many years, right? Why? Because so we as a church, in the midst of everything we're all dealing with, I'm right there with you, man, we can have a, a season where God begins to open up our eyes and say, don't stay where you are. God, you can't stay there. There's a new spirit coming on dry bones, new spirit of God coming alive on the inside of us, and that's what we focus on. It's very easy to focus on the news and very easy to focus on the pundits and very easy to focus on, you know, the, the opinionated and so forth, but I tell you what, I want my, my life to be firmly implanted on God's word, and it paints that picture inside me. How many can agree with that today? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get moving. Let's, let's talk about our mandate for 2021. Courage has been the main theme over the last two mandates. As you recall, the courage to connect and last year, the courage to grow. Well, the theme courage will continue in this year's mandate as well. I can't think of a more important year where we're going to need courage. Courage as individuals, courage as believers, courage as husbands and wives and family, young adults and children and teenagers, absolutely. So our mandate for 2021 is the courage to pioneer. The courage to pioneer. If you have your Bibles or your favorite digital devices, turn over to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to read some verses there in just a few moments. But before I do, let me set the, 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 the context and the and the platform for this mandate, the courage to pioneer. We've all heard of stories of the Western expansion of the United States and leading the way of that Western expansion were the pioneers. They were the forerunners who preceded all others ex 
exploring uncharted territories. Their ambition was to investigate every valley and climb every mountain and cross every river and face every foe as they were conquering territory and exploring a brand new frontier. Amen. They were the adventurers, ready to face danger and quite possibly death in their quest to conquer a new frontier. But after the pioneers came the people we call settlers, right? When a pathway was created, territories were mapped out, caravans of covered wagons uh, full of colonists would come from the east to the west, right? And, and, and they, would, they would know that they were making this trek to now establish communities and establish the ability to raise a family. And when such a place was discovered, they would build towns and they would stake out farmlands and they would become settlements and cities and towns were created. And they, through, though they were willing to face danger, settlers, they didn't necessarily want to find more danger. They would rather not face the danger uh, and be in harm's way. They really had no desire to climb another mountain or investigate another valley. They were more interested in safety and security than they were adventure and excitement. Here's some of the differences between a pioneer and a settler. Pioneers lead change. Settlers like maintaining. Pioneers are road makers. And settlers are map readers. Pioneers like excitement, but settlers like predictability. Pioneers are goers and settlers are stayers. Pioneers, life is an adventure. Settlers, life is security. Which one are you? Are you a pioneer or are you a settler? The dictionary says this, dictionary.com defines pioneer as Someone who opens up and explores a new way. Someone who takes the lead or initiative. Someone who prepares the way for others. Someone who digs through the obstacles to make it easier for others. That's a pioneer. Now hear my heart. Not everybody is supposed to be a pioneer. If we were all pioneers, who would build the infrastructure of cities and towns? If we were all pioneers, who would maintain the, the infrastructure and provide safety, security, and predictability that we all need? So it's not bad being a settler. In fact, there'll always be more settlers than there are pioneers. But the bottom line today is somebody has to lead. Pioneers are uniquely made to lead. Listen very carefully. What is a bad thing is that if you were created to be a pioneer and you have settled on being a settler. We need both. I'm not declaring today one's better than the other. I'm not declaring that one of us and the other one is less than. Not saying that at all. Both are important. But my cry of my heart today and the cry of God's heart today is many pioneers have settled. They've settled because of fear. They've settled because of the longevity of the trial. 
They've settled and become disappointed, oftentimes offended, oftentimes overwhelmed, oftentimes being tired of being on the tip of the spear, leading the way, going up another mountain, crossing another river, facing another foe. And we get weary in our well-doing. I understand that. My wife and I have been pioneers for, for over for 44 years, married and 44 years pastoring this church. This church was born out of the spirit of a pioneer. The pioneer spirit started this church. The pioneer spirit birthed this church, or we call it the spirit of faith. Amen. And so we understand that it's not a bad thing to be a settler. What's bad if you're settling for being a settler and you're called to be a pioneer? The cry of my heart and the call of Vision Sunday today is calling forth the pioneers here at IFC. Pioneers, take your place. Settlers, take your place. Have well-defined understanding, but we can't go anywhere unless somebody leads. We can't go anywhere unless the settlers settle absolutely and do a great job at it, not settling in the negative way, but settling in a, a wonderful, predictable, uh, secure, and safe way. Amen. We are pioneers, and it's imperative that we continue leading. I am not a settler. And any time over the last 44 years that I've ever settled, it's not been good. I've not been true to who God made me. I've not been true to who I am as a leader. I am as, as, as the lead pastor of International Family Church. There's no doubt about it that there is a pioneer spirit in us. And you know what? That pioneer spirit doesn't go away. We can subsue, we can, it can subside, we can, we can what? We can mask it, we can hide it under a bushel, we can, we can be something else and say, I need a break and I don't want to be who God made me to be, right? We all have been there, but we continue to lead, no matter how dark and difficult the, lay, the days are ahead of us, we must continue to lead the way. I'm sure we will all agree that so much of the church has rejected the opportunity to be pioneers, opting instead to be simply a fortified settlement of safety and security amidst the dangers and difficulties of our contemporary culture. Instead of being, instead of being this open door of blessing our world, we become these fortified castles with a moat and a drawbridge. And anytime it's time to go out to the world, you know, we run out. We kind of hold our breath and we run back in and close the gate and, and shut the door. And that's not who we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be a settlement that's fortified. We're supposed to be uh, with doors wide open. We're supposed to, our, the church's power is not in the door, in the house. The church's power is outside the doors. It's outside these four walls. We can't be contained on the inside. The church has never been in a greater need for more pioneers of all ages and backgrounds to step up and step forward and lead the way. Enduring times of crises and chaos and, and change, we need everybody in their places. So that's what Vision Sunday is today, calling all of you to your place. Calling all of you here or online, all of you calling you today to get back in your place. Get back where you belong. Get back to that place that God has called us to be. Get back from the, the 10 months of craziness and, and the months that we still have left of all that's going, to, going on around us. We have to understand this today. Amen. 
hear the heart of God today, we can't stay here anymore. Now here in Joshua 3, we have two pioneers whose time has finally come. Come to step out into the adventurous danger of uncharted territory. I like that. Into the adventurous dangers of uncharted territory. When some of you hear that, you like your knees begin to shake and others hear that and you start salivating. The difference between a pioneer and a settler, Right? When you hear that, the, un, the adventurous danger of uncharted territory. Man, that's pioneer talk right there. Joshua 3, 1 through 4, let's read it here. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, which represented the presence of God, the Lord your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Verse 4. Then you will know which way to go. Here it is. Since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance about 2,000 cubics between you and the Ark, and do not go near it. Since you have never been this way before, I believe it's pretty safe to say in a post-Christian, post-COVID world, we have never been this way before. Oh, it's been progressively getting darker, progressively getting crazier, progressive getting angrier, progressively getting all the, the various things that we know that we see and hear and understand. But you know what? It's never been darker, and the darkness is not going to change any as moving forward, and the gross darkness that will come on this earth, all the more, since we've never been this way before, the courage to pioneer is going to be so key and ring so loud and clear. Numbers 13, we know the story. If you don't, let me remind you of the story where, where 12 leaders were chosen, one from each tribe of Israel. And, and they were to what? Go out and spy out the land, the promised land that God, has pro that God promised them was theirs. After 40 days... They each agreed, man, this is like no other land we've ever seen. And they came back with their trophies of the spoil of what was there in that land. So we know that that's true. All 12 had the potential of being pioneers. Now think about this. Each one of these men were handpicked. If you will, they were the leaders of the year. These were the cream of the crop. These were the leaders amongst leaders. These were the people that, that their, their, their tribe members honored and respected and looked up to and said, if there's anybody that's going to go check out the promised land, it needs to be these people. So every one of them were handpicked. Every one of them were exemplary. Every one of them in their leadership skills were, were exceptional. I'm sure in their ability to fight, their ability to communicate, their ability to, to lead, their ability to command respect. It was all there in their lives. But only two that time distinguished themselves to be pioneers that day because of fear 
the other settled for something they were never meant to be. Settlers. Which leads me to our big takeaway for the year. What? What? We've never had a takeaway for the year. Woo, wow. A takeaway for the year? No, you know, we're used to having a takeaway for the sermon, right? A takeaway for maybe the series takeaway. But here's our takeaway for the year. You heard me right. Here it is. We don't fear the future. We pioneer it. It's a statement that rose up in my heart in 2016 and has been very real in our hearts as a team and in my heart. But here it is. You're going to hear a lot more of it this year. We don't fear the future, IFC. We pioneer it. Amen. Now, today I'm going to give you a macro view of the year. And as the year, unf- as the mandate, and as the, as the year unfolds, it'll become much clearer for you. There are six areas that we need to have courage in this year. You ready for this? Number one, the courage to pioneer a lifestyle of prayer. A lifestyle of prayer. Prayer has never been more important than it is right now. It's always been important, amen. But more than ever, right, prayer, we we rise and fall on the power of prayer. And Ian Bonds said this about prayer. Prayer is our most formidable weapon but the one in which we are the least skilled and the most adverse to use it. Wow, to its use. How true that is. All I'll say about that, you'll hear more about that, is is we're committed to praying more than ever this year. We're committed to more prayer groups. We're committed to training more prayer leaders. We're committed to training more of us to be people of prayer. Amen. Prayer... The, the, the power of God and the church cannot move forward without a lifestyle of prayer. Number two, we must have a, a, a courage to pioneer the transforming power of the local church. The transforming power of the local church. Amen. In a post-Christian, post-COVID world, the church has never been more important. The church is the hope of the world. You've heard me say that before. See, uh, we, we know that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, right? Both to the Jew and to the, to the Gentile. And man, the gospel has never been more important. The transforming nature of what the church stands for has never been more important. And we must pioneer it in a, in a, in a season that would be necessarily not very interested, perhaps, but the transforming power of the church. Oh, my. Get ready for greater transformation. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Number three, we must have the courage to, to, to turn believers into fully devoted disciples. Turning believers into fully dis- devoted disciples. Let me tell you something. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're a disciple. Amen. We're going to hear a lot more about what is discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be to go from being a believer, amen, into becoming a disciple, amen? And I want you to understand that, that we need to, that fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ is needed for this hour. I know plenty of believers that are believers, but they live a compromised life. 
They don't fulfill the mandates of the scripture. They don't fulfill the biblical truth. And we need to understand today that, that fully devoted means embracing the teachings of Jesus and imitating his way of life. We'll be very clear this year what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Number four, we're going to have the courage to pioneer training the next generation of leaders. I love the passion of our millennials. I love the passion of our Gen Zs. I love the passion of our young adults, and I appreciate their desire to make a difference in their world. And I know uh, that, that, that God has big plans for each one of them, and we here at IFC, I have big plans for each one of them. And we'll be very much committed to continue like we always have, but even more so in our leadership training. So be prepared and be ready to be stretched to become even more trained than we ever have before. Number five, the courage to, to what? Pioneer loving a wide range of people. That's always been the heart of God, a wide range of people. We always described ourselves as a church, as a multi-generational, cross-cultural, economically diverse church, right? That's always been God's plan. Listen very carefully. Listen to my heart. I know half of you believe that God's a Republican. I know the other half of you believe that God's a Democrat. But I don't mean to burst your bubble. God's neither. He's neither a Republican or he's neither a Democrat. He's not. But he's for all people. God is an equal opportunity redeemer. His blood was shed for Democrats, Republicans, independents, who cares, right? His blood was shed for all of us, and my heart has always been. And some of you wish I'd speak up more about this or that. And some of you wish I would get in my soapbox and say more about this and more about that. And the heart of God for me anyways, and for International Family Church, is we are going to love a wide range of people. Amen. So you might not like now when it's time to speak up about social issues and time to speak up about biblical mandates, of course, we'll not be ashamed to do that. But just to say it because you want me to say it, I'm not going there. I'm not trying to reach people just like you. I'm trying to reach a wide range of people. That's God's heart. And we will pioneer that again to not just pioneer people that are just like us, but people that are very different than we are. Amen. Aren't you glad? And last but not least, number six, we're going to have the courage fulfilling the Great Commission. Oh, I've never been more excited about the Great Commission. Never been more excited about reaching the lost. Never been excited about reaching what matters to God and matters for eternity and reaching the unengaged and, and the unreached people of, the, of this world and using our finances to finance the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll hear a lot more about that as the year goes on. But I want to focus the rest of my time this morning on mandate on the number two, on number two, the transforming power of the local church. Let me, let me spend the rest of my time talking about that today. So listen very carefully. I love the church. Do you love the church? It's a place of hope for hurting people, a bearer of light for life's darkest times, a body of God's people united together in faith. I love the church. We all know the church has been through a very difficult time in this shutdown, in this 
COVID season, no doubt has been a very difficult time for all of us. But you know, it's been a, a, a difficult time, but it's not the first time the church has faced hardships. Throughout history, the church has stood through it all and continues to stand no matter what comes our way. Amen. Because the church cannot be silenced, the church cannot be stopped. We are the mighty, mighty church. Amen. And the psalmist said this in Psalm 84.10. I love his heart. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. Don't you love that? David loved and valued the house of God, and there is no other place he would rather be. And not just because I'm a pastor, and not just because this is what I eat, drink, and sleep, my wife and our team, but, but that's God's heart. Amen. I love the fact. I want you to value the house of God. I want you to love the house of God. I want you to love the body of Christ. I want you to be aware of and be alert to the body of Christ. And what concerns me most during this COVID slash church online season is how many believers have become lethargic and spiritually lazy. If we're not careful, the church becomes less and less of a priority. Watching church online becomes just another show like we watch on Netflix. We cannot allow the convenience of being online as an excuse from connecting with God's family. Listen very carefully. I'm not suggesting that connecting with God and God's family only happens in our building because that wouldn't be true. Of course you can connect and engage online. We have hundreds of people that are engaging online today around the world, and I'm grateful for that. I'm more concerned with the state of your heart than I am where you are connecting with the church, right? I'm more concerned with you, your heart, your place in God, your attitude, where you are inside your heart than whether you're at home today or whether you're in the building today. Please, it's very important that you hear my heart today and I would like you to take a moment and identify yourself. Are you a spectator or are you a participator? You're only one or the other, you can't be both. Which one are you? I'm not assuming because you're here today in the building that, that automatically makes you a participator. And not assuming it's because you're online today doesn't mean automatically you're a spectator. That would be wrong for me to make those assumptions today. But spectators passively stand by and they watch and they often become armchair quarterbacks commenting about issues they have no clue what they're talking about. And participators actively connect and engage. And they're actually on the field, getting dirty, making plays. Which one are you? Are you a spectator or are you a participator? Or maybe 10 months ago, maybe you were a participator. And over time, you become a spectator. Again, the purpose of Vision Sunday is to call you back, to call us all back, to become participators. To, to, to brush off all, the, all the, the, the complacency and the apathy and the laziness. I understand. And there's nothing like, you know, being in the convenience of home in your puffy bathrobe, watching, tele, watching TV, watching your pastor or your team. And man, didn't, didn't um, Pastor Tom, Suzanne Young, 
Barbara Arbo, Pastor Josh, didn't they do a great job the last four weeks? Oh, oh my, 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 they sure have. Thank God for that. And I was a participant online for those three weeks. And I must confess, I was in my jogging pants. I confess that maybe there was a pajama or two wrapped up in the midst of that. So I'm not suggesting that you can't be a participator wearing your puffy robe, right? But we have to understand something today. Here's a few ways to know whether or not you're a participator. You regularly gather for church, either in person or online. I'm not going to address, I know regularly is, is, varies amongst certain people, but the regular nature of the habits of whether, wherever you are today, online or in person, uh, that's important that you are regular. And number two, that you, are, you actively engage. I mean, if you're going to rock that bathrobe, rock it worshiping God, <laughs> right? Raise those hands, sing those songs, um, and, and, and whatever. And I know it's challenging to worship and to take notes and to chat online when kids are running around and the dog is barking and people are hungry. And, and, and I get it. But I believe it's imperative that if you're going to be a participator, wherever you are, in the building or watching online, be engaged. Participate. Sing the songs. Worship the songs, right? If you need to, stand up and change your position or actually change your clothes. You wouldn't come to church in your bathrobe. Right? You wouldn't come to church in your pajamas. Amen. Sometimes the, the change of standing up and actually change and brush your teeth, right? That's the, the, the beauty of a mask. We can't smell your breath. But, 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 but the bottom line is, you know, we need to make sure we're engaged. Number three, refuse to do life alone. Connect with a life group. Don't, don't, don't do this by yourself. Don't, don't think you're a hero doing it by yourself. The next one is... Check your, on your friends and pray for one another. Are you in contact? I think we're doing a better job now than we were before. Another one is stay up to date on what's going on at IFC. Do you know what's happening? Are you aware? This is your church. Your partners are friends of IFC. Be aware. This helps us to be participators. And do I believe it's easier to connect and engage in person than being home? Practically speaking, absolutely yes. So much less distractions, right? You know, in the room, it's easier to focus. It's easier to have a high expectation. But wherever you are at this season, wherever you are, and I know um, as we move forward, there are certain groups of people that should be home and that are older and have preconditioned situations in their lives. I get it. And those that don't feel ready, we're totally fine with that. Absolutely. But there'll become a time where kids will come back and there'll be more multiple services and so forth. But, but purpose in your heart to connect and engage into one of the greatest gifts God has given us. That's the church. Do you hear my heart today? That's the church. Many more of you I know will come back to church as more services are available, but I, I believe it's important that we understand this gift that God has given us, the mighty, mighty church. Listen very carefully. There's a story told of some country boys that went to the big town for the first time in a long time with their grandpa. So they went with their overhauls, cowboy boots, and their straw hats. So this is the big day out with grandpa. They walked into this fancy hotel and saw an elevator for the very first time. 
They stood there in front of the elevator. The doors opened, and this very elderly woman shuffled her way into the elevator. The doors closed. A few minutes later, the doors opened, and out walked out this most gorgeous woman they have ever seen. <laughs> Grandpa looks over at the grandsons and said, Boys, go get your grandma. We're going to run her through this thing. You know, it's a funny story, but you know what that's a picture of? When I heard that story, I immediately thought, that's a picture of the church. That's the picture of the transforming nature of the church. That's why the church is so powerful and so awesome. Amen? People come to church, they look one way, it's like the doors close, and then the doors open and they leave another way. That's the power of the church. It transforms lives. It takes the weak and makes them strong. It takes the defeated and makes them victorious. It takes the broken and makes them whole. And takes the sinful and makes them righteous. And takes the doubters and makes them confident in what they can believe. Every time you come in contact with the church, three things happen. Every time, whether online or in the building, these three things happen. Number one, information takes place. It's important to have the right information. The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So we absolutely need to have information. See, when you're defeated in any particular area, you lack information in that particular area. Number two is inspiration. Inspiration. You know, we need inspiration during these overwhelming times Amen. Inspiration is so important because it keeps what? It keeps the dream alive. It keeps what you're believing God for, even though there's no hint of it anywhere around you. Inspiration keeps the dream alive. Amen. And connecting with the church can do that. So God's spirit moves and brings information that's anointed and, and the inspiration of the soul that lifts your spirit. And thirdly, number three, it's transformation. Transformation, the power comes through knowing Jesus Christ and forever changes and transforms your life. You need to be regularly intersecting with the transforming power of the local church. Amen. Imagine having weeks and weeks and months and months like many people. I, I talk to them, I call them up, and, and then they have been watching. They have, have been watched for weeks. They haven't been around for weeks. They're the same people that, that need that. They needed every Sunday or regularly to come to church and make certain decisions because life wasn't going so good. But coming to church interrupted the process. Coming to church interrupted. They were able to worship God and say, God, forgive me for this past crazy week. Forgive me for my actions. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for what was going on in my life. And oftentimes that interrupts it. And so Without that interruption, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And week after week after week, we're not exposed to the transforming power of the church. We're not exposed to the transforming power of God's word. Matthew 18, 16, 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, hell has been trying to defeat the church for centuries. This is nothing new, and it has not succeeded. The big bad wolf does what? He huffs and puffs, but he'll never be able to blow the church down. 
Amen. He'll never destroy the person or the family that's firmly rooted and grounded in God's word and has relationship and has community and has a, a resolve uh, uh, that, that is built upon the rock, the chief cornerstone, Christ Jesus himself. The church has the power to transform lives. Saul persecuted Christians but became Paul the apostle and wrote over half the New Testament. Jacob the deceiver became what? A prince with God. Zacchaeus went from a taker and became a giver. The woman at the well went from living an immoral life to becoming a mighty evangelist, right, of the living water. Gideon went from an insecure, fearful man to, the, to a mighty man of valor. How did all that happen? through the transforming nature of Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 2 tells us, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't let God, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for, which is, for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. You know what? It's important that we understand today that God will move by his spirit. Let me move on. I have discovered over my years in leadership that there are two types of people. Let me close with this. Two types of people in the church. They are the Moses generation people and the Joshua generation people. This is really the dichotomy of the church. This is the reason why church struggles so much because there's too many people in the church that are acting like the Moses generation instead of acting like the Joshua generation. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about how old you are. I'm not talking about how young you are. I'm talking about where you are with God and the condition of your heart. Listen very carefully. Moses, who was the great patriarch leader of God, called the children of Israel out of, the, uh, out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land. They went through the wilderness we know the story that God performed miracle after miracle, water out of the rock, rained down manna from heaven, right? And, and the heat of the, of, of the heat, they were protected by the cloud by day and, and, um, and by the cool of the day, the heat of the day, and they were worn by the pillar of fire by night. They got right up to the promised land, didn't they? It was theirs. It was theirs to possess, but they didn't go in. And the reason why, because they were moved by what they saw and they doubted God's ability to help them possess it. They believed in God, but they didn't really have faith in God. How many today of us, we believe in God, but we no longer have faith in God. We no longer have faith in God's ability. Just so many Christians today living in the wilderness, a whole generation here had to die in the wilderness. Here are three quick reasons why Moses' generation failed. They believed the circumstances more than they believed God. There's ever been a perfect storm of circumstances. We're in it right now. COVID's still on the rise, right? Racial tensions, economic adversity, people losing their jobs, um, families, parents, children, teenagers, children struggling. Um, and on top of that, right, we have church churches and church leaders freaking out over where we find ourselves, 
freaking out that, that their, their choice for president wasn't chosen and just absolutely beside themselves and not knowing what to do and where to turn. Oh my goodness. So many are believing the circumstances that surrounded them more than believing God. We can't be Moses people. We can't be a Moses generation where we are only moved by our circumstances, moved by all the voices, moved by all the news, moved by everything around us. They failed because circumstances got the best of them and they didn't put their trust in God, that God was bigger than their circumstances. The second reason why Moses generation people failed, they held on to the mentality of a victim instead of adopting the mentality of a victor. We teach here often here at IFC that because of who we are in Christ, that you may have been a victim at one point in time before Christ, but now that you are in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, old things are passed away. Come on. And behold, all things have become new. Don't let old things, don't let old appetites, don't let old mindsets creep into a new season. Amen. The Moses generation allowed this mentality, this victim mentality, this Egypt mentality. Oh, the, the leeks and the garlic and the melons and where we were. We, had to, we have to work so hard. We got to trust God through all this. And so the Moses generation didn't allow themselves. And so they, 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 they looked at themselves and saw themselves as victims instead of victors. And once you become to Christ, you got to get rid of that victim mentality. Come on, somebody. Stop blaming and shifting all your problems onto somebody else. Oh, it's the president's the problem. It's the government's the problem. It's white people. It's black people. It's immigrants. It's poor people, rich people. It's those stupid Democrats and those dumb Republicans. And, and it's my parents. It's the church. See, this is a victim mentality. And you'll never be able to possess your promised land as a victim. If you're waiting for someone else to do something for you, before you move forward, you'll always be a victim. Last but not least, number three, they live trying to survive instead of trying to fulfill their purpose. Many people have the attitude, just holding on. I'm just holding on, Pastor. I don't know what to do. But we spend more time holding on than we do stirring up our purpose. We hold on and hold on and hold on and hold on. And one of these days, and it's rough and it's tough, and we, we, we put our purpose behind us. And, and the children of Israel, under Moses, they, they, they forgot about their purpose. They were on their way somewhere. God had already provided something for them that belonged to them. Amen. And they, didn't, they, they, they trusted God to do all the heavy lifting. They didn't want to fight the giants. They didn't want giants around. They, they were adverse to fighting. They were adverse to contending for what belonged to them. They were adverse to standing their ground and saying, not today, devil. And we must not yield to that. The Joshua generation said, you know what? We might have to wait around till all these people die, but we're going to go in and possess what belongs to us. We're going to go after God's highest and best. We're going to do this. And God doesn't just turn over your, his promises uh, of, of, of what belongs to you. You must possess it, fight for it, contend with a made-up mind what belongs to you. And see, number one, character, the common characteristic of a Joshua generation is courage. Courage. Are you a Moses generation person? Or are you a Joshua generation person? I'm not talking about age. I'm not talking about who's old and who's young. That's not the point today. 
Amen. It's the condition of your heart. Amen. We need courage this year more than any other year. We're in a season where we need to learn to be bold, strong, amen, thoughtful, no doubt, but no longer bound by fear. Why? Because we don't fear the future. Amen. We pioneer the future. Amen. And I want to end with this. Here the children of Israel were on the edge of the promised land. We know that they didn't go in and they had to wander for 40 more years and an 11-day trip turned to 40 years of wandering. Turned to 40 years of wandering. 40 years of never possessing what God promised them. And a brand new generation rose up. Joshua and this new generation stood there again, once again on that same shore of the, of, of the Jordan River and looking over, knowing there were giants there, knowing there were these big walled cities yet, knowing that they were not going to just walk in and just take it. They had to fight. They had to stand. They had to believe. They had to trust God's strategy. They had to do it God's way. They had to have a lifestyle of prayer. They had to make sure that they were, they were serving God and doing their part. And right before they were walking in, the Lord gave Joshua and his people a command. And today as your pastor, as we stand on the edge of a brand new season, just like them facing similar giants, facing giants of our own, facing overwhelming odds and circumstances of our own, I want to read you the same command that the Lord spoke over the children of Israel. I speak over you today. Joshua, chapter 1, verse 6 and 9. It says, Be strong and courageous, IFC, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land, I swear, to their ancestors. I would give them. If one time wasn't enough, he said it a second time. I say it a second time to you, IFC. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you and do not deviate from them, turning either from the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of, the, of instruction. Continue meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. If one time wasn't enough, if a second time wasn't enough, the third time comes loud and clear. This is my command. Be strong and courageous, IFC. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever we go, wherever you go. Amen. Hallelujah. We don't fear the future. We pioneer it. Stand to your feet this morning. I want to tell you right now, if you settled for someone that you were never meant to be. I pray this message today rings loud and clear. We need you this year more than ever to be the gift God made you to be, to not feel sorry for yourself, not live in self-pity, not live in wondering where the dream is, not live wondering where in the world is this gonna ever end, but to get off that merry-go-round and that, 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 
that constant wheel that the rat runs around over and over and over again, questioning yourself and doubting yourself and being insecure, being in a place that we ever needed the body of Christ to rise up, it's today. If you've settled to be something that you were never meant to be, hear my voice today and hear the voice of your pastor and hear the voice of your heavenly father saying, arise and be the gift you were meant to be, teenager, young adult, mom, dad, young person, rise up today. The truth be told, we all have some pioneer spirit in us. The truth be told, we all have the spirit of faith upon us. The truth be told, all of us have a job to do. We must recognize it's time to get our eyes off social media, get our eyes off the news and get our eyes off the White House and get your eyes back on God and get your eyes back on God's word today. Amen. Amen. Again, what's our mandate, our big takeaway for the year? We don't fear the future. What do we do? We pioneer it. I can't stay here anymore.